you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I do not know about you, but I sure feel better. Amen. I feel better. I'm ready to get started. Thank you, Sister Andrea, for humoring me. Thank you, praise team, for singing so that I didn't have to. Thank you, Brother Brian. Appreciate you being involved in the ministry of the kingdom and doing the song you didn't practice. Appreciate that. Jonah, chapter 4. Somebody, somebody said, Whoa. No wonder the Lord gave us joy. We're going to Jonah. Jonah chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah. That's a pretty big gourd. That it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm. When the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd, that it withered. Isaiah 28 and 10 says, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, and there a little. And I almost called this the parable of the gourd. But we're going to learn a lesson between these two verses that seem to be completely disconnected. God, you're good. You've already visited us. You've already helped us. You've already prepared the way for your word. I pray that you would bless, that you'd help me to speak as you will, Lord Jesus, and help us to learn as you will. Let your kingdom come in us a little more today on the other side of this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, the gourd. Now, the gourd grew. We've been talking a lot about growth and development, change. We've gone through this series on Christian life and leadership, and we've covered becoming and making disciples. We've talked about pathways to leadership, which had our church panel um, of people involved. And then my parents came and shared their stories. And if my mom is watching, I don't have a bag on my head. It's okay. I don't mind, and I don't mind where I sit. People can tell me to sit somewhere else, it's okay. My parents are hilarious, I'm glad you found out. Um, our Kingdom Builders Expo has been part of the Pathways to Leadership, our leadership seminar this past Friday. If you need a copy of it, and Brother Nathan mentioned it, come and see me, we can try to get you on the video list so you can have a copy of it. Um, and then we'll have another panel to close out this Christian life and leadership series uh, at the end of this month for our wisdom from the pew. And then add to that, so in the vein of growth and development, we've been having our iLife class on change, changes that heal. Apparently, I didn't slurp loud enough, Dr. Cloud. I'm sorry. 
But we talked about a lot of things in our lives that are opportunities for growth and change and ways that we can improve. And I was having a conversation with somebody. Um, you're going to know who you are when I say this. So thank you for the inspiration for this message. Whoever you are, who will go unnamed. Person said, I just have so many things to work on. It's overwhelming. Which I heard as, I have so many opportunities for growth. I just don't even know where to start. So I thought tonight that I would talk about small steps to change to help us better understand the practical sides of continual development and that this is a lifelong journey and you don't have to wake up tomorrow as if someone struck you with a magic wand and you were transformed overnight. Because as the Gord teaches us, rapid growth usually leads to rapid decline. When something springs up in your life overnight, even if it's from deliverance, unless it is sustained with nutrients and worked on and kept up, even deliverance can fade away if we don't choose to sustain it. And so the small steps toward change become very important so that even if our change came overnight, we can keep it. We can hold on to it. I, I don't know. I'm just guessing. Maybe if Jonah had had some fertilizer and some water, he could have kept that thing alive. But he was stuck on top of a mountain. He didn't have an option. It's hard to grow anything on the mountain. <clears throat> um, so this massive overnight growth that we all crave, because we're in the microwave generation, we want everything right now. It rarely stays long-term. It rarely even happens without divine intervention. And it rarely stays long-term. So how do we embrace these small steps? So Jesus, uh, actually Jesus reinforced this idea that overnight growth is, is, um, is rare and, and can sometimes lead to deterioration of that same growth. In Matthew 13, verse 19, during the parable of the sower, he says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown into his heart. This is he that receives seed by the wayside, but he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word and anon with joy received it, but he, it had not root in himself. It only stayed for a little while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. Let me say that a little bit differently. When, when words of change and the truth of God's word teaching us to do things differently comes along, if it doesn't fall down deep into the soil that's been prepared and it isn't watered and cared for, it'll only stay for a little bit. Because when criticism of that change comes along, you're going to step back into those old habits and those old patterns because the seed that was dropped of truth that caused you to change is uprooted very easily when it doesn't go deep. But there's hope. Everybody say there's hope. Matthew 13, 23 continues, he that received seed into the good ground is he that hears the word and understands it and it bears fruit. 
and it brings forth some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. So there's hope. When it's talking about the word of the kingdom, it's not just about the gospel or, or a spiritual impact to our lives. The word of the kingdom is very practical. Yes, it's the gospel. Yes, it's about salvation. Yes, it's about spiritual gifts. But it's also about how you get up and live your life every day. In fact, they, divided, they devoted a whole book, <clears throat> Proverbs, to practical living. And most of the epistles is dedicated to practical living. So this is a very practical message. I hope you are practically understanding about it. How do we allow and encourage the kind of growth and change that the word and the spirit want to bring about in our lives, even on these practical subjects of daily living? The biggest thing that I want you to take away today is the beginning of the title that's just small steps. It's about small steps. John chapter 12 and verse 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. This tiny little seed is all by itself unless it's willing to go deep into the ground and die. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. So my first point tonight, and you can write this verbatim, this is my instruction to you. Start small, fall in, and die. Start small, fall in, and die. The current state of whatever you're wanting to change has to die for, in order that you might come into new life in that area. You have to let it go. You start small. You don't set out to plant a tree or, or to grow a tree. You plant a seed. I'm going to grow a tree and I put an acorn in the ground. I'm going to be very disappointed for a very long time because that tree won't be a tree for a very long time. I wish I had the actual scientific knowledge of that, but I don't. So we want to make sure that we are focusing on small steps that will eventually lead us to that big goal. Figure out what type of seed will produce the type of fruit that you want to have in your life. What are you trying to change? Do not plant an apple seed if what you really want to taste is an orange. You know, if you have a whole orchard full of apple trees and you're called upon to make a lemon meringue pie, you're going to be hard up, right? You've got to plant what it is that you know you're going to need down the road. And God prepares us for these things. He starts telling us, look, you got to work on this. And then you got to work on that. And in addition to choosing the right seed, you have to get prepared before you ever put that corn uh, kernel into the ground to die. You need to prepare the soil. You need to water the ground. You need to fertilize and add the right nutrients. And so you pray and you study and you ask 
for advice and you ask for resources to help you and you ask God for wisdom and direction and you read and you listen to supporting information and you keep your focus on what it is you're trying to grow in your life. And you do the work that nobody's going to see except the Lord of the harvest. This is what Jesus said. Look, when, when you pray, shut yourself in where only I can see you. When you fast, don't go out bragging about it. This is between you and me. Because there's work to be done that only the Lord of the harvest should see. That was all number one. I don't care how it is in your notes. That's how it is in my notes. Number two, allow the old to become new. If you want to stop an old habit, it's going to leave a vacuum in your life. There's going to be this big open space. What are you going to fill it with? Make plans ahead of time. If your old habit was a time stealer, how are you going to proactively spend that time? If your old habit involved your thoughts going astray, what are you going to purpose in your heart to think about? If your old habit costs you a lot of money, how are you proactively going to put that money to good use so you can't use it on your old habit? Make plans on how to replace the old with a new and proactive strategy. It's very difficult to make or measure your progress if you do not have a plan. Have a plan. Remember the key elements of change. Okay, my iLife students. What are the three things that have to be present for change to occur in a Christian's life? Brother Jake. Truth, grace, and time. Three in one. Very good. It's not what we believe doctrinally, but you know. Just kidding. Just kidding. We do believe in God in three manifestations. I'll say it that way. No Slurpees, just thirsty. The elements of change are truth and grace and time. Changing a habit will require at least 28 days of doing that thing or restraining that old habit for 28 days straight. And so I don't know if you've ever read the book Atomic Habits, but the this, this gentleman wrote this book, and one of the key instructions there is make sure you engage in this behavior, this desired behavior, for 28 days straight, even if it's only for two minutes. Don't let yourself scoot past a day without engaging in this new behavior. Because your body will get out of the habit and you will betray yourself. Some changes that we want to make don't have built-in daily opportunities to practice. So in that case, you want to surround yourself with information that empowers your change. Get a podcast on the subject. Tune into a YouTube video where a preacher's preaching to that subject. Read a book that gives you instruction and clarity on that subject. And practice at home, even if it means talking to yourself. If you want to learn how to say things differently to your spouse and reduce the conflict in your marriage, practice at home. 
Maybe not even with your spouse in the room. Maybe to the bathroom mirror. What are ways that I can say this better in a way that honors God and honors my spouse? Create opportunities to practice at home. Be accountable. Ask trusted others in your life to share truth with you in love. Don't ask your enemy to help you be accountable. I know you don't have any enemies in this room, but still, don't ask, your, don't ask people who you can't trust, but ask people who will share the truth with you in love and let them help you assess your growth and your opportunities. Opportunities is a, is a good way to say needs. What are your opportunities for growth? Help, let them help you assess that. I'm not a very good assessor of my own progress. Sometimes I need somebody standing on the outside to say, no, I noticed this. You did a really great job with that, or you did a lot better with that than you've done before. I need that encouragement. You need that encouragement. We're built that way. Understand that you will, I have likely here, you will likely mess up. You will mess up. Because as long as you're living in this earthen vessel, earthen vessels get chipped and they get cracked, And they have to be taken back to the potter occasionally. And the potter has to refit them or completely take them down to nothing and rebuild them. It's part of the process. You will mess up. You will mess up once. You will mess up a dozen times. If you do this for 28 days, you might mess up 28 times. You have to make the commitment to stay in the process until the habit is established in your life. Don't unplant a seed just because you forgot to water it for a day. When the branch starts to come out and it's got a little bud on it and it's not yet an apple, don't get frustrated that it's not an apple and pull the bud off the tree or you'll never have fruit in your life. It's important to let the growth happen. Even if it's hard and even if it's painful and even if you're impatient and all those things. Patience will be the next thing God works on with you. I heard an oh no. Intentional development takes time. And how, how many humans do I have in the room? Show of hands. All right. So if you are a human, you can only focus on one or two things at a time to change in your life. Everybody say one or two. Not five. Certainly not ten. One or two. I hope that lets the person that I was talking with on Saturday off the hook a little bit. There's no expectation at all that we will suddenly be totally new people because we've gone through this process of learning. We also have to go through not just understanding the process of understanding, but the process of bearing fruit. And it takes time. Grace, time, and truth. We need all three. We've got grace and truth going on pretty strong right now at this church. We need the time. We've got to let time pass for some of these things to come to fruition. So intentional development takes time. You can only focus on one or two things to change at a time. So you've got to make your goals smart. How many of you have heard of the term smart goals? 
Okay, if you work in any sort of corporate environment, not only have you heard this, you've probably been browbeaten with it. But it's a very effective, um, what's the word? Acronym? Is that the right word? SMART? SMART stands for specific. If you don't have a specific goal, you don't have a goal, you have a dream. Specific. Measurable. Needs to be measurable. How do you measure your progress if you don't have a measuring stick? It needs to be attainable. Okay, so if you're going to start uh, reading your Bible, please don't sit down thinking that your first day you're going you're gonna to read for two hours. That's not really attainable. It needs to be a realistic goal so that you are compelled and, and encouraged to continue on that road needs to be attainable. What can I do realistically and reasonably? It needs to be relevant to your goal. This small step that you're going to take needs to be relevant to your long-term goal. Going back to the fruit tree analogy, it needs to be relevant to growing either an apple tree or a lemon tree or an orange tree, and all of those trees need different nutrients. Drive your small steps in the direction of your large goal. It needs to be relevant. And then finally, the T in SMART stands for time-bound, which means by a certain time, I want to have accomplished X, Y, Z. Or I want to have done this behavior every day for 28 days to establish this new habit. And I want to do that by the end of next month. SMART goals. So I'm just going to give you an example here of how to break a big goal into small steps. You want to be a soul winner? Here are some small steps that you can work on toward that goal. Number one, learn to share your testimony. Write it down. Read it until you can answer questions uh, of, answer the, the, the following questions without thinking too hard. Why do you love Jesus? What has Jesus done in your life? How do you know that you're saved? How has knowing Jesus made your life better? We should be able to answer those questions pretty quickly without thinking too hard. But most of us probably haven't given it much thought if we're not already in the business of helping people come to know Jesus. Write it down. Become familiar with your own script. This is your story. This is your narrative. This is your life. Become familiar with your own testimony. Secondly, prepare the soil with prayer and fasting and scripture. The Bible is full of master testifiers. Especially the gospel, especially the book of Acts. So look to them for examples. How did they testify? Most of these people, Jesus was saying, don't go tell anybody. And they'd walk right out into public and say, look what this man did for me. And they told their story and they they included details and they shared it and they showed people. So look to them for example. Pray for compassion that moves you to see the needs of people and recognize the openness. Recognize the open doors. You know, sometimes it's not about sharing with the right person. It's about sharing with at the right time with that person. 
fast to gain sensitivity to the spirit and reduce the reactivity of the flesh. These are things that you can work on, small steps, to lead up to becoming this tree of becoming a soul winner, this big goal of becoming a soul winner. Practice. I like to practice on my Christian believing friends. I like to tell them, you know, I'm trying to become more confident in sharing my testimony. Can I try it out on you? I'm trying to get better at teaching Bible studies. Do you mind if I teach you a Bible study and you can give me some feedback and we can learn together anyway? Practice on your Christian believing friends. People love to help other people grow. What an amazing opportunity to study the word together. Pray for opportunities and actually act on them when God opens the door. If I'm praying for an opportunity and it's standing right there in front of me and I'm looking everywhere else, surely there's an opportunity somewhere. When God presents an opportunity, walk through the door. That's just one example. You don't become a soul winner overnight. You take small steps in that direction and God will lead you and bless what, what you're doing on his behalf. If you want to start praying every day, you know, Brother, Brother Tom Barnes used to go out into the, the forest. Well, I don't know if forest is the right word in Louisiana, the, the marshy area, um, out away from people and spend four and five and six hours talking to his friend. Please don't start with that as your goal. Maybe that's your big end goal, but that's not a small step. Most of us would struggle with that. And so I would actually challenge you not to put a time limit on it, but make a commitment to make a meaningful connection with God in the morning, at noon, and in the evening. We can do that. It's measurable because you're doing it three times a day. Meaningful will look different at different times, and you will have different needs at different times. This is a real relationship. And so I encourage you, don't, don't say, I'm going to pray 10 minutes today. I'm going to pray 30 minutes. No, I'm, I'm going to pray until I get a meaningful connection with God, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to come back, and I'm going to do it again. And it may only take a few minutes because he shows up so quick. He is so gracious. Pray until you speak in tongues. And let the Spirit of God refresh you and make that meaningful connection with him. That's a goal you can keep. And I promise you it will just keep motivating you to come back when you taste of his presence on a regular basis. If you want to work on relationship building with other people. Maybe you are like me and you're an introvert and when God moves you into this preaching thing, you're like, what? Maybe you're an introvert and you want to find a way to connect with, an, with other people. Challenge yourself to make a meaningful connection with one person every day that you don't know. It could be the mailman. It could be a colleague at work that you haven't met yet. Someone said it sounds scary. Maybe. It's just an idea. If that's, a, if that's your goal, you want to build your network or build relationships that's a way to do it. Make a meaningful connection with, every, with one person every day for 28 days. 
And don't underestimate the value of staying accountable. I know I mentioned it earlier. I'm going to mention it again. Do not underestimate the value of staying accountable during a time of, of change and growth and development. So just say that you're a leader in the church and you want to change your communication style based on what we talked about at the leadership meeting. So you go to someone who is co-leading with you or who is on your leadership team in your department. You say, I want to communicate better as a leader. I plan to implement a strategy of having one meeting per quarter with our leadership team beginning in January, time bound, measurable, it's specific. I will ask someone to take notes. I will send those notes out by email with one, within one week of our meeting. Will you help me stay accountable for that process? I really want to change the way that I do this. Make yourself accountable to somebody. This is what I want to change. This is how I want to change it. This is what I want to do. Will you help me stay accountable? Now this one. Dear person that I respect so much that I really want them to think well of me. I really want to be on time for all of my commitments. So if I'm running late, I plan to text you directly and admit I'm running late. And I'm trying to be on time and please hold me accountable for this. If that's your goal, I find that shame is a very powerful motivator sometimes, especially if it's self-imposed. I'd rather not have to send that text because it's embarrassing to me. So I'm going to put myself in a position where I'm accountable. Just throwing that out there. Accountability can help us change our behaviors. I know this is very practical. I know that this is not overtly spiritual, but here is the thing. Who I am and how I live my life is spiritual. It's 100% spiritual. My habits and how I spend my time are 100% spiritual. Wanting to make changes and aligning to the principles of the word of God is 100% spiritual. And it takes practical instructions to help us move in those spiritual directions. Let's all stand. It is important as we've um, learned all of this information, we continue to process and sort of chew on what's been imparted to us. It's important that we remember that we're human. We have limitations. We can only truly focus on one or two big changes at a time. That is what grace is for. That's why with all of the truth that's in the book, Jesus does not expect us to be um, 100% developed as a Christian the very next day after we get saved. It's a lifelong journey. So I just want you to imagine with me that you are teaching your teenage son or daughter to drive down the road. You're in the car, they're in the driver's seat, you're tense. If you're my parents, you're holding on to something. Not that I was a bad driver, I was a wonderful driver. But while they're driving, you start to give them instructions on how they should also learn to balance their bank account. And someone, while you're still talking, someone in the back seat starts telling them how they should clean their room without shoving everything into the closet. And someone else starts telling them how they should learn how to do laundry. And someone else is teaching them how to 
plan a meal and cook that meal for the whole family. Now, all of those are age and maturity appropriate, but do you think that teenager would be able to stay on the road? No, because they're only able to focus on one thing at a time. And Jesus does not insult us by barraging us with many things to change at the same time. He knows us. And he's a good father. He's not trying to make us drive off the road. He's teaching us one thing at a time until we get really good at it. And he'll move forward into something else. You'll get one or two challenges from the Spirit. So don't let this information overwhelm you. Pray about it. Ask God, what should I be changing? What what is the big goal you want me to be working on? And what small steps should I take in that direction? This is about small steps to change. Uh, There's a Chinese proverb that I think I've seen attributed to many people, so I just wrote down Chinese proverb. The journey of a thousand miles begins with one single step. And so we take a step. And then we take another step, which is very convenient because the Bible tells us that his word is a light to our path. Not... Thank you, a light to our, our feet and a lamp. You all know what I'm talking about. A lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Yes, a light unto our path. He doesn't show us always what's off in the distance. That's what we want to see. But he will light one step and another step and another step and then after a while and all at once, you will end up where you're supposed to be. Amen. Matthew 13, 23, he that received seed into the good ground is he that hears the word and understands, which also beareth fruit and brings forth some a hundred, some 60, and some 30. Amen. Would you close your eyes with me and let's pray that God will bring this word to fruition in our lives. Lord, thank you for the work that you're doing in us. Thank you for the words that we've received over this pulpit, Lord, over the last several weeks. Thank you for what you're doing through our church and bringing us together into one mind and one accord. And God, the kingdom building that you are initiating, that you are continuing in our midst. Thank you for the inspiration to engage in building the kingdom together. Thank you for the direction that you're giving us, God. Thank you, Lord, that you have brought us to this point. And now I pray that you will teach us how to take small steps that lead to eventual great change. God, we want to be like you. We're not measuring ourselves by ourselves, God, but we are measuring ourselves by the stature of the man, Christ Jesus. And we want to be like you, Jesus. Lead us, guide us, direct us, grow us, bless, Lord Jesus, multiply the efforts, God. Our efforts can be so feeble, but with your multiplication, with your blessing, God, you can do great things in the city of Belleville, in the city of Swansea, in the city of Shiloh, God, in all these areas.